We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the last week of preseason football. I have everything that you need to know about the Kansas City Chiefs, college football right around the corner, the Kansas City Royals, and we have some special guests right here on the Best of Everything presented by Charlie Hustle. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What is up, guys? This is the best of everything presented by Charlie Hustle. I am your host, Michaela Bennett. Thank you for tuning in. Right off the bat, we have a wonderful show for you today. One-on-one sat down this week. So our guys at one-on-one, Jeff Allen and Mike DeVito, sat down this week with Duke Miniweather to talk about his experience. Now, Duke is a former Division II football player, and now he teaches, you know, draftees, former veterans, um, and he works with them a lot. He has his own um, convention this summer called OL Masterminds for players and coaches of all ages. So he grew up in Southern or South Central Los Angeles, and now he goes all around and he holds different camps. Um, so he's an offensive line coach, and he he's talks about the trust that he's earned in the community, the trust that he's earned in the sport. And a lot of his experience is about, you know, you don't actually have to be the same as everyone else. And I think that's something that's really important right now with the training camp going on. 53-man roster cuts are right around the corner. Um, and a lot of the guys are, you know, kind of trying to figure out if they're going to make the roster. If they're not, what are they going to do post-football season? What are they going to do fo- post-football life? And so Duke sat down this week, talked a lot about that, his experiences, and just kind of moving into that next phase of life. So I think that's a really good way to start the show right now. If you want to see the full thing, tune into one-on-one. We have that show, but I'll give you a little bit of glimpse in it right now. Well, I got into coaching really early, man. Um, I played at Humboldt State University, um, mm-hmm. Division II guy, uh, undersized offensive lineman my entire life. Uh, but I understood my controllables. My controllables were how hard I worked in the weight room preparing physically, um, how hard I worked in the classroom, in the film room, preparing mentally, and then the technique aspect. I knew if I could control those, 
whatever would happen would happen. And every level I played at, whether it was high school, college, they were always trying to replace me. They were always trying to find a way mm. why it wouldn't work. And then I would get in and it would work. So it's right. just kind of how I had been uh, my entire life, really. But I've always kind of been curious. I've always been curious to why things work. I've been always curious to why coaches think certain ways. I've always been curious to what I can do to kind of maximize myself. And so that curiosity led me to almost be like a, a student of the game, but then also a coach on the field. And, and a lot of times where I wasn't the guy, so to speak, in my college career, but ended up carving out a decent college career for, for the level, for what it was and everything I was up against. Um, had the opportunity to play arena football. And I'll never forget this. I got released right before the playoffs. I was playing for the Arkansas Twisted at the time. And normally they have like some personnel guy take you to the airport or whatever. My offensive line coach, Jim Beverly, was like, hey, I'm going to take you to the airport. I'm like, All right, this is weird. And he goes, listen, this isn't the first time you've heard this. He goes, but if you're going to continue to play football, you're going to hear this more. He goes, you're fighting genetics. He goes, and I think you've maximized about all you can maximize to be able to get to this level and play and show up. He goes, mm -hmm. but you've got a natural gift to lead in the coach. He goes, and I specifically wanted to tell you that there's a place for you in football if you continue to pursue this thing. It may not be on the field, he goes, but it could be as a coach. What Jim didn't know is right before I had uh, played the arena football, I had had an offer from College of the Redwoods Junior College, which was 30 minutes south from my alma mater in Eureka, California. And they had offered me the run game coordinator, offensive line coach, coaching mm. job. And I had this grand, I had this grand idea. No, I'm playing football. I'm going to play arena football. At the time, mm. I thought I could probably go overseas and play. But when I got to the AFL, I started to see how good I wasn't. Uh, mm -hmm. but, I, but when Jim, when Coach Beverly told me that, it clicked. And so I'll never forget. I landed, and I immediately co called Coach Dave Banducci, guy rest his soul, and said, hey, is it job still open? He goes, absolutely. And so I took it and never looked back, never looked back. Mm -hmm. coach, uh, coach the O-line and run game coordinator there for three years. And then actually went to my alma mater, back to Humboldt State, and I was assistant strength and conditioning coach, uh, but then also coached D-line. And I coached D-line for three years at Humboldt State, uh, all while maintaining uh, a website that I created called Beyond the Combine. Beyond the Combine was pretty special because what I did was I only scouted offensive linemen and defensive linemen on Beyond the Combine. That mm -hmm. was it. And what I would do is I would watch every snap a guy play at the time. It was YouTube or me like physically videotaping games off of TV. And I would watch every snap they played. And I would talk about their capacity for development in a biomechanics standpoint. Because at the time I was a history major and biomechanic, uh, you know, kinesiology student. And so I would talk about it in that regard in terms of, hey, this is what it looks like from a movement standpoint. This is some things that he could probably do in his training that would strengthen his technique aspect. And that caught the attention of a guy named Charles Baby. And mm. uh, Charles, you know, early on was, you know, at the forefront of the offensive line development. Um, so we kind of had a rapport and started a relationship. But Charles brought me on as his director of uh, player personnel, lead performance coach. So the early years of offensive line performance, I was very uh, influential or I should say 
you know, a very important piece of that business building, even though they probably won't tell you that now. I'm dead to them. That's all right. Uh, but uh, if you look at, if you kind of look at a lot of the, the pieces that were there then versus where they ended up and uh, you can kind of see the transition, but uh, that's neither here nor there. So my time ran out at uh, O-Line Performance uh, pretty much when I was booted from there. Um, I kind of did my own thing. And mm. the first step to doing my own thing was to understand what I was really good at, what my controllables were again. Um, and so the first thing I did was started to provide these scouting reports to these guys. So watching the film, all while starting to add to my tool uh, toolbox with training and uh, more implementation of different things to get these guys physically better. So from there, um, I was kind of off the radar. That was like the end of 2014. And then um, I took a consulting gig out here in Dallas. Was out here in Dallas, uh, you know, doing some consulting projects for the Cowboys, completely unrelated to O-line, really. It was just more mentoring and leadership. I was with them for a while, all while still providing the scouting reports and then being able to train uh, Mitch in the offseason and, uh, or actually Jeff in the offseason then uh, back in Charlotte and then uh, uh, Jeff Allen and then that turned into Ronald Leary and then that turned into Journey Parnell. So, and so, Jeff is being modest here, but he was still part of the early uh, group in terms of the guys that I worked with and trained in both locations, really, uh, when I was in Arizona and then when I came here. But that trajectory really put me on to understanding that, hey, listen, man, I don't have to be like everybody else. Speaking of, you know, not being like everyone else, a great person that exemplifies that in the Kansas City sports world, Kansas City history is the late Hall of Famer Lynn Dawson, who passed away this week. BJ Kissel, Tucker Franklin and Nick Lucky sat down on Outside the Trenches this week to talk about, you know, Lynn Dawson, what their experiences were like with him. BJ actually has a really cool story about what it was like um, just being in the same room with him and you know, his experience with him. I think right now there's a different era of quarterback, obviously with Patrick Mahomes and the younger generation doesn't necessarily um, know the, the vast, like the weight that Lynn Dawson has in Kansas city, but so cool to see, um, you know, kind of like the torch being passed to Mahomes now, but as well as the respect and the honor of Lynn Dawson now being a, you know, huge in Kansas city and the tribute that, you know, the Royals gave him so many people gave him, um, as he passed this week, but I will let BJ tell his story about Lynn Dawson. Um, if you want to see the full thing, you can tune into outside the trenches from this week. It's a really good show, but I'll let BJ tell his story about Lynn Dawson. I'm really glad. And I know that for everybody that was in that room when we interviewed or when and say we, when, uh, Mitch and 65 TPT interviewed, uh, Len Dawson and Patrick Mahomes that we all kind of looked at each other like this is going to be a special piece of content for a very long time uh, as something that we will look back on um, and use to kind of you know celebrate the two you know quarterbacks that won Super Bowls for the Chiefs two of the guys that will end up on the Mount Rushmore of Kansas City sports icons when Patrick Mahomes career is done but um, thinking about people that had you know direct ties and had stories about Len Dawson I I I'm interested and I, I don't want to say I'm excited, but I do think this is a, always a special time to get to hear stories that you probably hadn't heard before from the way that Len has reached people and different ways he's impacted people within the community. And I, I look forward to more of those stories coming out. Hopefully we can hear, um, you know, a lot of those over the next, you know, 
certain amount of time. And I'm sure the chiefs will do something on Thursday night before the Packers game to, to honor him. Um, and you know, actually now that I say that uh, I do have one more story about Len Dawson. I, I should have said this from the beginning. Uh, as soon as I just mentioned the Packers, it uh, interesting. Um, the first time that I remember talking to Len Dawson, we were in green Bay for a preseason game and we have always have a production dinner the night before. And we were eating at Lombardi steakhouse. Uh, which was a steak joint that was connected to the hotel that we were staying in. I believe it was in Appleton. Um, and we walk into this private room and it's like the Lombardi room, which is pictures of Vince Lombardi everywhere. And he walked in, he looks around and goes, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> Just, and, but Look bitter for us. You know what I mean? It'd be funny, right? He was bitter, right? Yeah. He was like, it, it, a hatred, it, hatred rivalry. It ran deep and his face and then everyone in the room just busted up <laughs> laughing and he was not laughing. He did not He's say not. that to make some sort of impact as a joke. He was just like, you fucking kidding. I was sitting right next to him. And I, there was a few times he just mumbled stuff looking around. Um, I should remember that, that, that is also one of the things that I always remember about Lynn. Well, speaking of being remembered in Kansas City and, you know, the greats in Kansas City, um, we're going to segue a little bit into the Kansas City Royals right now. And Brady Singer, is he the Royals ace is the big question this season. Obviously, he got sent down back to AAA earlier in the season, had a little bit of a rough go for a while, but he definitely has turned his season around. The guys on One Royal Way, Mike Mead and Joel Penfield this week talked about is Brady Singer the ace that the Royals have been looking for. I know for a while, you know, everyone thought it was going to be Brad Keller and Keller has been moved to the pen now. Who knows what's going to happen there? But Singer has stepped up game after game after game and just proven that he is who the Royals thought he was going to be whenever he was drafted. He is the true leader right now on the young squad. You know, that draft class, that 2018 draft class, a lot of Florida guys, a lot of pitchers. They're all up. They're all having a lot of internal competition, which is super good, super healthy. But Brady Singer is kind of showing, you know, he leads the way. So the guys talked about, is Brady Singer a true ace? Is he at that point where they're like, he is the go-to every single guy? Obviously, it's baseball. You can't win them all. Not every day is going to be your best day. But if you want to argue back and forth, is Singer the ace? Is he not? Who knows what's going to happen this offseason? Will they go out and get some more pitchers? Will they not? But the guy sat down this week. You can hear the full full segment on One Royal Way with Kansas City Sports Network. But they talked about if Brady Singer is the Royals ace and deserves to be called that. It's a little bit premature, I think, to call him, oh, he's a number one. I think if you're, if you're thinking of it in terms of development and not necessarily like what is he or what he can he be, this is one step in his development. If he never gets any better and stays right here, he's a he's going to continue to be a really great pitcher, a two or three kind of level guy, and a guy I think you can build a rotation around. I, I really do. If and this is what gets start starts to get really fun and like scary in some ways. If he takes a step forward with the changeup, yeah, and the consistency and command, I think those are the really the two things he has to continue to work on. And really all pitchers work on that consistency of command all the time, but those two things have gotten better and he's taken a step forward, one more step forward. And you're talking about a ceiling of a guy that is super consistent and a number one. I don't like to use the word ACE because in my mind, there's like five 
<laughs> baseball at any given time. And they're, they're like all hall of famers, you know? So like your yeah. Verlanders and your Scherzers and your Kershaw's and those guys, but he could be a number one. It's just, it, it's going to take one more step forward. It took us a long time to get him to take this step though. Let's not, let's not pretend like, Oh, right. You know, a lot of people were calling for advances in that changeup two years ago and it never occurred. But even if he's just this, if this is the the pinnacle of Brady Singer, you have a hell of a pitcher, and and like I, I I'm glad you mentioned that in that start against the the White Sox where was it the White Sox that he didn't do so great six yep. innings four runs, um, yeah it was the first start against the White Sox he had back to back starts but yeah the yes. first one in Chicago, and and that's that's a that's a meltdown game for him a year ago. Yeah, you know, like he he doesn't make it through because I think it was the fourth he got dinked mm-hmm. and dunked and gave up all the yep. runs. He doesn't get through that fourth inning that last year. Yeah, exactly. And and I think when when you get it, the more you get into those experiences, it certainly helps. But I think the more confidence you have in saying, okay, wait a second, I just dominated the Yankees, okay? Or I know I have I haven't thrown my change up much. Let's let's do it a couple times just to get into that. Okay, now let's go back to what we were doing. Um, I think there, if we, if you watch that game, I think there was a little bit of a velocity dip in that game. I don't think his two seamer was going quite as hard in that game and he wasn't locating it quite as well. So I think that changeup takes one more step. And in those games, when you see, I don't have the best two seamer in the world. Now I can throw that change up and it looks a little bit better now. And so I think one more step forward. And we're talking about a number one for Brady Singer and hallelujah, because this rotation needed it worse than it needed anything. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but I need to tell you about our friends at DraftKings. Kansas, DraftKings Sportsbook is coming to the Sunflower State. It won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home. And to celebrate, all new customers will receive $100 in free bets when you sign up using code KCSN. Plus, one lucky customer will win a $100,000 free bet. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you $100 in free bets just for signing up today. No deposit required. Soon you'll be able to bet on money lines, spreads, props, and more with one of the America's top-rated sportsbook apps, DraftKings Sportsbook. Plus, you'll be entered to win a $100,000 free bet when you sign up. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code KCSN to get $100 in free bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Kansas. Plus, one customer will win a $100,000 free bet. That's code KCSN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. Must be 21 years or older. Physically present in Kansas. Eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook. Subject to regulatory licensing requirements. One per customer. $100 issued as $425 free bets. No purchase necessary for sweepstakes. Void were prohibited. Ends first day DraftKings is allowed to operate in Kansas. See terms at dkng.co slash ks. This podcast is also brought to you by Trade Coffee. Listen, me personally, I'm not that big of a coffee drinker, but if I do drink coffee, when I do drink coffee, because it does happen... I want it to be the finest beans, the finest source coffee, because I don't want to drink any crap. And at Trade Coffee, they're incredible. They connect customers with the freshest and best-tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. There's one in Topeka that I've had. It's absolutely incredible. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns, and Trade Customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest so- source of new growth for them. So if you love to help out small businesses, you're going into trade. Trade helps out these small businesses by getting you guys into contact. And I know, especially in this economy, you want to help out these small businesses as, as much as you can. And Trade Coffee sends you freshly roasted beans from 60 of the country's best craft roasters, small businesses, farmers who pay their prices to sustainably source their beans. And whenever your friends call you a coffee snob, or you just know that when coffee tastes really perfect, that's Trade's real expert coffee experts. They've got these over 450 experts and 450 roasts that they know exactly what to recommend for you. Because the truth is, what I like in my coffee is not the same what you guys like in your coffee. That's why they got the quiz to to directly cater uh, to what you like, to what you want in your coffee. And they will match you with the perfectly the perfectly tailored coffee for you. And Trade delivers a bag of freshly roasted coffee as whole beans or grounds. You get to choose that. Personally, I like to grind my own stuff, so I like to get the the whole beans. It tastes fresher. French press that stuff. It's delicious. You know, however you want to brew it, you can brew it however you want it. They'll get you the coffee. Trade has delivered over 5 million bags of fresh coffee with more than over 750,000 positive reviews. That's incredible. Can't get that many people to agree on anything this year, any, in, in any time. But right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off their first order plus free shipping. When you go to drinktrade.com slash KCSN, that's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash KCSN and let Trade find a coffee that you'll love. That's drinktrade.com slash KCSN for $30 off. Now let's get back to the show. Well, the guys have a lot to talk about with the Royals and the season is kind of coming to a close, which means it is football season. And if you're like anyone else, I'm sure you play fantasy football, um, huge in Kansas city, obviously, you know, you have Patrick Mahomes, you have football greats in Kansas city who doesn't love some fantasy football. So I'm sure you have had, or you are going to have your fantasy football draft coming up. Well, the guys at Booth Review this week had their own version of a fantasy football draft, except there was a catch. So Scott Chasen, Kevin Flaherty, and Kent Swatson sat down and had a fantasy draft using only KU football players. Um, So they talked about that, and you can find the full show on uh, Booth Review on Kansas City Sports Network. 
they go over their draft picks. They want to know who do you think won this draft? So I will let you hear their picks, who they drafted. Obviously, it was much shorter, condensed because of the available players, but they had a little bit of fun with this one. Let me run, let me run down this list of uh let's just list teams. I would love if you want to leave a comment and tell us who won this. If you want to leave a five-star review for the channel and tell us who won won this fantasy draft. Kevin went uh Devin Neal, Douglas a million, Mason Fairchild, and Tanaka Scott. Trevor Cardell. Trevor Cardell. Trevor Cardell. <laughs> I'm going to run down the teams here and you can leave us a five-star comment. You can reply to this YouTube video. You can scream it from the rooftops who you think won this draft. No, I'm kidding. Kent, go ahead. No. Right uh, Scott's like, and Scott had Devin Neal, Kai Thompson. <laughs> Scott, Scott, <laughs> Scott had Cook Williams. Scott had. <laughs> uh yeah scott had kai thomas uh lj arnold mason fairchild sevion mm-hmm. morrison <laughs> uh the best team had daniel highshaw uh luke grimm jared casey and trevor wilson that was mine uh go ahead and just you know you know you know what to do commenter uh okay scott you had one more thing you wanted to cover with kevin let's let's get to that before we get out of here yeah, Kevin, I'm I'm actually going to jump ahead because I know I know we had some plans. We're going to have you back on at some point because we got to see how these teams are doing. Um, sure. Mid-season, late season, we'll figure it out. But I wanted to run down your confidence scale and and we can keep these relatively short, but I'd love, you know, if you gave an explanation to I'm um, just about I've got 5 of these for you and and Ken, I'd love your thoughts too. So, first, I'll, I'll start with the area Kevin that that you know really well. Kansas is doing the right things in local recruiting confidence scale one to 10. Where are you at with that? Uh, I I'd say five and and it's not necessarily they're putting in more effort than previous staffs. And I think that's a really strong thing. I think uh, with this class in particular, maybe they haven't always been pointed in the right direction at the right time would maybe be the best way to put it. But I do think that, if they manage to get a kid or two out of this class, um, e- even if it's on down the road, I do think coaches are seeing the effort that they're putting in. And, and it, it's kind of funny. Um, I had a conversation with a high school coach who had said that this staff could almost like not fail <laughs> in local recruiting because as long as they did something, people were going to see that it was an improvement and that they were trying. And, and I really do think, you know, Kansas pushed hard for Avery Johnson. They weren't going to get him, but they recruited him. They pushed for Dylan Edwards. They got Dylan Edwards to visit. You know, they some of the top guys at Kansas City, you know, made it over to Lawrence. And, and so I do think that they, they laid the foundations. And, and I think it's going to be really interesting to watch in 2024 because right now the, the top recruit, is a kid named BJ Kennedy out of Topeka. Um, I, I think he's probably going to wind up being the defensive tackle. He's a really big body defensive end right now, but uh, BJ Kennedy is high on Kansas. And, and so I think that when you look at the way that they've recruited the 2023 class with as strong as it is, a lot of these guys emerged really early, you know, before Lance Leifold was even here. Hmm. And so I do think that they did some things really well. I think there were obviously some things that they could have done better, but it maybe sets them up well for the future. Obviously, everyone wants their fantasy football team to win it all. And 
are you super confident in your team? Um, well, that kind of translates over into your college football team as well. Um, so the guys at Three Moss sat down this week to talk about, are they confident in K-State's football team this year? Are they confident in the guys that they have playing positions that they have them at? And Derek Young, um, Joey Kurtz, and Cole Manback sat down this week to talk about where they're at with K-State football. Are they confident in the abilities and the, you know, changes made, some different players playing some different positions? How confident should K-State fans be this year? How confident should they be right now, you know, going into season? How confident should they be? Should they be weary? What is going on in K-State football? They seem confident, and I, and I think I'm fairly confident. I, I still need to get all the way over the hump, I think, in believing in this group. And seeing is probably believing, and that probably won't happen until, you know, September 3rd when they kick the ball off against South Dakota inside Bill Snyder Family Stadium. But there are so many answers that that seem like quality options or potential options, realistic options, right? Not like major grabbing out of your hat and – you know, praying that it is just going to work out. But, you know, we talk about Josh Hayes. I mean, he was probably going to be in, you know, playing a lot of corner. So they moved him to safety for a reason. I don't think it was to take playing time away from him. So I think they believe in him. And he's played for Chris Kleiman and Joe Klanerman, you know, for a lot of years before he even transferred out of North Dakota State to go to Virginia. So someone that's just familiarity with the terminology and everything. I think I trust Josh Hayes at the safety spot. I think I... I'm beginning to trust Kobe Savage quite a bit just because of how much he has been praised. And he really just keeps his head down and, you know, goes to work. And I think they like that about him. Sincere Mason knows what he's doing. We'll see if he's healthy enough and hasn't lost a step. But that's a that's a guy that's done it before. And he's played meaningful snaps at that position for Kansas State. So has TJ Smith. He needs to be better than he was last year. But he's done it before at the Big 12 level. He's actually played a lot of college football at the Big yeah. 12 level. And then, you know, we talk about Nick Hendry Steiger's a name I'm starting to hear that that's kind of cracking through. And they they compare him to Jerome McPherson. That was a guy that we didn't even know they added there for a minute. He came from Butler Community College, just like Jerome McPherson, and it was added on scholarship really late in the process that it sounds like is starting to get some run with the, you know, some of the older guys. And VJ Payne is probably the freshman that they think is pushing the hardest for playing time right away at this point. Like he's, you know, wowing them that much. And, and I'm probably leaving off a name that, that could compete for a starting job at safety. So while it is a question mark, I think it, it's a question mark because they lost all three starters. I don't think it's a question mark because they don't have faith in these guys. And to be honest, it's probably a question mark because they have so many guys competing for playing time at that spot right now that have a realistic shot at it. Speaking of competing for a starting job, uh, Mizzou football, what is going on there? Um, the guys sat down, guys and Maggie, I always do that, but Maggie Johnson, Gabe Jarman, and Tucker Franklin sat down this week on Mizzou That's Who show to talk about Mizzou football. Now, Gabe obviously knows a lot about Mizzou and covering Mizzou football, and he said that they went to practice and you know they went to some scrimmages to see who is going to be the first and second string. And he's really interested to see what they're going to do because there's a lot of competition between freshmen and transfers. So are there going to be any 
actual true freshmen that play for Mizzou this year because of there's so many transfers coming in. There's so many transfers that are like looking to make an immediate impact that the freshmen are competing for a spot. And I guess that that's good when you have some internal competition it makes everyone better. But the guys um, and Maggie sat down this week to talk about what does that look like for Mizzou? Is Mizzou even presenting like their their front first string like in practice are they telling everyone you know this is what we have it seems like they're kind of like hiding some of the cards that they have and they're not showing everything but maybe they just are still trying to figure things out maybe they're trying to figure out what meshes well together what players are going to play the best together with all these transfers and now you got some freshmen who is going to be the best starting roster um, so the guys and Maggie talk about that this week, talk about their confusion, what they think is going on, and who is going to make an immediate impact this year. We were there to to write down the, the first string and second string on offense and defense. And I'm interested to see, and part of it is because they have so many transfers, but if Saturday night was an indication, Luther Burden's the only true freshman playing a major role on this team out of the gate. And I'm not saying that necessarily is a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know what it means, but I do find it interesting because like Howard was saying, hey, you know, these guys are brought in and, and the thought is they're good enough to play day one. Now, maybe that's a really good sign, right? That that it means they hit on all these transfers and that some of these guys got better and and they don't need these guys to play day one. But I, I mean, Luther's going to start. Other than that, I, Sam Horn might be the backup. But I'm not. I, I'm not sure there's another true freshman on the two deep right now. So I, it, it, like I said, I don't know what it means. I just find it interesting. I was doing some research into uh, the, this Mizzou recruiting class and kind of. I think there's a discussion that came up in, in one of the group messages I was in about uh, Odom recruiting compared to to Drinkwitz recruiting, and I think that this is one of those things where I was I was looking up the. Yeah, uh, this this 2022 class was 12th in the country, fourth in the SEC. That's the highest um, that the Mizzou's been in a long time in the SEC. Um, so thinking about that Never. in terms of yeah, bringing those guys in and having a class that high and then not having any other TDP is a little surprising to me. Um, Sam Horn, I was encouraged to, to hear Howard say that you know he looks looks good. Um, that's what I want to hear from Sam Horn. I want to hear that those good reports from Sam. Um, Hopefully he can really be that quarterback of the future. I'm I'm a very big pro Sam Horn guy, um, but yeah, I, I think that I think that that's that's incredibly interesting. And I wanted to ask you about that, Gabe. How that kind of I said, practice in air quotes was? Yeah, it was. I mean, it, look, I'm big on if I can't tell anything, I don't want to lie. You can't see anything. We were there to see yeah. the depth chart, and you know, it, we were kind of tweeting out, "Hey, there was nothing live," and then we were getting videos from fans that there was live stuff. And I'm like, well, there was no live stuff when we were allowed to be sitting in the States. That's all I can tell you. Right. And so I don't want to come out like Howard went and saw a scrimmage. So I'm going to trust what he saw. He knows football. Yeah. He's he, he can tell you something. I haven't seen a quarterback throw a, a pass against a defender this month. I, I don't know who's good, bad or indifferent. Right. Uh, what I'm going to learn about this team the same time you guys are about seven o'clock next Thursday night. That's when I'm going to have any idea what this team is. Do you think, I will say, I was reading Power Mizzou. I feel like I have to give like my Power Mizzou thing like every time. I appreciate that. <laughs> we don't, I, I don't even pay for that commercial. <laughs> yeah, this is free. 
But I saw that on what you put on Power Mizzou was that Abrams drain was set up to you think do punt returns. He was the one who was back. Now, okay. does that mean he's doing it? I, I have absolutely no idea. And, and like people will laugh at this, but could it be as simple as Eli going, I'm not going to put Luther back there with 2,500 people in the stands. Yeah. I, I'm going to unveil him week one. I mean, he said in a pre-camp interview, he thinks Luther's going to return punts. I, I think he at least has to get a shot, but I don't know. Chris Abram strain was the guy that the only guy we saw do it on Saturday. I don't think they're trying to give away very much. Um, if, if they're anything like uh, NFL training camps, which I know that Football coaches are weird in the fact that they think that everyone's out to get them and everyone is out to just to steal their ideas and, and give the their ideas away to the other team. Football coaches are weird like that. So it doesn't doubt me that if he tried to just throw something out there to throw everyone off. Well, you know, speaking of some competition and, you know, kind of just the older group versus the freshmen, what it's like to get older, what it's like to, you know, kind of take that next step. On our stories this week, Marlea Campbell sat down with Deb Richard to talk about her experience going from collegiate golf to the LPGA. Um, Deb talks about, you know, the transition that she made, as well as, you know, the injuries that she faced and what it really meant to her to go professional and when things changed for her. She talks a lot about, um, you know, charity and giving back and just kind of some of the tournaments that she was involved in and how that really impacted her personally. And it impacted her career. It's that she says in like this, the segment of our stories that it really changed her life whenever she started going to these tournaments and there was kids all around. So she tells some really good stories. If you want to hear all of them or the ones that she shared with us, check out our stories. Great, great show. Um, a lot of one-on-one stuff to, you know, talk about, but Deb talks a little bit about, you know, her passion and that smooth transition into the LPGA out of college. It was actually easy. And I, I, I do mean that with a whole lot of sincerity and a whole lot of grounding. Um, I made it through qualifying school in my first attempt. And that was a big deal. I think had I not made it through qualifying school my first time, then the pressure would start to ramp because you can only qualify for the tour once a year. Right. So there's a lot of pressure in that moment. And I played well. I finished in the top 10, you know, I get my card and I just, I, everything, I'm just keep moving on. You know, it's, I'd had, like I said, I'd had that nine months of the best success of my life. So this was just, the snowball was still going down the mountain. Things were still building. I was getting better and, and I had a good rookie year. And um, looking back on it, it's kind of storybook. Um, it was, really wasn't until I started having the injuries that it was like, oh, I, I can't think about this. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a very smooth transition. It was exciting. Uh, I wasn't intimidated by it. I'd played in four or five women's opens at that point. I'd played in the Nabisco Dinosaur. I, so I had experience playing with the tour players. Uh, so I wasn't uncomfortable when I got out there. Yeah. And was it your second year where you got your first win? 
It was my second year, yeah. and I have a I have a great history with almost all my four wins. That one of my caddies, and I said one of the two, um, said, "Deb, you really need to go play this golf course. Um, it's just made for you." And I was like, "Really? Are you sure? Okay, all right, I'll go play." And twice in my career that happened, and so I. I talked into going to Rochester, New York. The golf course was so much like Manhattan Country Club. It was a shot maker's golf course, small greens. It was everything I grew up with. And I was like, you were right. I need to be here. And first time on the golf course, I do get my first win on tour. And it's, I, I never missed Rochester again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, gosh. Um, and so I guess, how did the second one come along and the third one? Was the first one the sweetest one or did they keep kind of feeling like, you know, every time you did it, it was just like a that Florida level celebration? It's not like I won so much that it was old hat. Every one of them felt like such a great achievement. It was still that dream come true. Yeah. yeah wanted it since I was you know 13 14 years old yeah and every victory had a story I think was the fun part mm -hmm. um they're all incredibly special they were all very different um the first one always remains incredibly special because I developed such a relationship with the community of Rochester um for your listeners who don't know, uh, all professional golf tournaments are 501c3s, nonprofits. Um, and the business model behind professional golf is we give back to the communities where we play to make those communities better. Um, and it, I had awareness and understanding of that prior to winning at Rochester, but it really came to life after I won there. And they asked me to come back and visit their summer camps for disabled kids, which were the beneficiary of that particular event. And I said, absolutely, I would love to come and visit kids. And so glad I did because that was the game changer of my life. Deb says that that was the time in her life where it, everything just changed. And speaking of golf tournaments, actually, Kansas City Sports Network launched our, you know, we announced that we were having a golf tournament for charity and it sold out within a week, which is crazy. 36 teams in a week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everyone that signed up, everyone that is going to be participating, volunteering, et cetera. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Couldn't do it without you. But this is Kansas City Sports Network. This is the best of everything. And this is the last, last week of preseason football. That means next week I will have everything football for you, as well as the Royals. What else could be better than September in Kansas City? This has been the best of everything. I am your host, Michaela Bennett. Tune in next Saturday so we can get all up in that football business. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.